Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Volrath Feed. If you've listened before, you know I'm Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef here at the Volrath Company, and I'm your host today. And uh, as you've been listening, you also know that uh, there's co-host today, Justin Pearson, who's also our producer. Hello, Justin. Hey, Rich. What is up for today? I don't know. We're going to have another great show, I'm sure. Well, I'll put money on that. <laughs> you know, we, uh, we we always say it, and it just works out. So, yeah, today it's going to be exciting. We're going to have another guest on that brings a little different perspective to food service. You know, we like to cover everything that's in food service, and today we're going to be covering a catering business with our guest, Mike O'Hanlon, head of catering partner business at Easy Cater. So he's in charge of, it looks like from his title anyway, getting all the different catering businesses that Easy Cater brings on. Uh, he brings those in, I'm imagining. We'll find out more, I'm sure, but that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm always fascinated with catering, you know, in the in the post-pandemic. Well, I guess we're not even truly post, but, you know, it's everybody's gone through a major transition in the food service industry over the past year and a half, and in particular, catering companies. And it's just really fascinating for me to hear how different companies have have managed to survive and then also how they have evolved and what they look like coming out on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot that's going into this. And, and just as just another example of how food service has really changed and is going to change, I suppose, coming out of this, like we said, for a very long time. But the, the difference in, in the way that um, I think food service is approached Food service used to be mom and pops. There was a lot of independents doing it. And then as the chains and the, the money got bigger, uh, a lot more goes into it now, right? And this is this is another example, I think, of Mike's background. So let me just give you a little bit of his background. After high school, he went on to get a degree at the University of Virginia with a Bachelor of Science in Nuclear Engineering. Then on went, went on to become a Naval officer in the U.S. Navy then got his MBA in finance and became vice president then of um, corporate and business development at Wayfair. So a guy that graduates high school becomes a nuclear engineer and then naval officer in the U.S. Navy and then he gets an MBA in finance. Um, Boy, I'll tell you, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that story in food service, um, (laughs) I think I'd have a nickel. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, right? (laughs) But it just goes to show that, that, you know, what's – Food service is these days. It's big business, and, and this stuff is you got to be sharper. You got to be better at it than the other people. It's about making it easy for the consumer. It's about speed and efficiency, and then oh yeah, let's not forget about good tasting food, right? So all these, it's it's a lot more complicated than it used to be. Yeah, very true. And you see that restaurants and corporations, and even mom and pops, you know, your small operators are having to recruit talent that maybe traditionally never had any experience in the food service industry. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so down to a, a, a single restaurant operator, you know, even if they're looking at expanding their online presence or their social media, they're looking at hiring people who maybe have never even taken a step in back of house, you know? So mm-hmm. there's, but that's where they need to go to, to get the results that, that they want and that they need. So it's opened up a lot of doors for a lot of different people. It has, and it's it's also in a I don't want to say a bad way, but in a in a way that makes me feel a little sad that the the mom and pops, the independents, the people that just 
had a dream and wanted to work hard. I mean, it's just harder for them to make it now because you have to have that web presence and you have to have some marketing ability and you, you know, good, great tasting food and, and great service. It's still going to get you a, a decent business, I think. But I think that's those other things that help really uh, build the business beyond, you know, what, um, people traditionally could in the past. I know my yeah. mom is of that age that she knows nothing. I mean, she's, I'm impressed she's got a smartphone and she knows how to dial it, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, make a phone call. Maybe I even just dated myself by saying dialing it, but, uh, placing a phone call on it. But, you know, she has no concept of online. So she's looking to others to help in that area. And that's just another level of yeah. things that she has to go through. Well, you, you do have those, those unicorn restaurants that, they're, they're, they're icons of a community and they really don't need to do anything because people, it's a generational thing. People grow up going there and then they take their kids. So it's, uh, there, there are a few places like that, but anymore mm-hmm. competition is so stiff out there that you have to do something to, to bring in those new customers and you have to do something to stay ahead of the competition or, or at least know, let your customer base know um, how, how you're different and how you're special and why they should come and visit you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I think today we will, um, for sure, as we say on the show every time, it's those nuggets, right? I'm, I'm guarantee we're going to hear a lot from Mike today on you know, things that we hadn't thought about and some of the things, the way he runs his, uh, side of the business that he's involved with at easy cater. You know, Rich, I think that catering might be well positioned to start having a really big bump in the upcoming months, you know, particularly heading into summer here, because, you know, we have a lot of people who are wanting, you know, the more people are getting vaccinated, the more we're feeling safer about gathering again. You got the opportunity for people to have family reunions that have been missed or parties and other gatherings that they might want to do outside and not at a restaurant. So they have the food catered in, or you have, People heading back to work and maybe in some of the larger establishments, they don't have their cafeterias or whatever really running the way they used to. So but people are still wanting to do those lunches that they miss. So, you know, catering is a great option for that. I think it, it's worthwhile to to ask Mike what he thinks on that and if, if they're gearing up for, for uh, a big boost coming up. Oh, I agree. I think that's definitely what we have to ask him about because I could say that I think um, – you know, even though even our company, you know, we're coming back to work, but we're still putting up barriers between cubes. We're still having people be distanced. I, I don't know if we're all ready quite yet to jump in and just say it's over. And and be even when we are, maybe when the, the guidelines are so that they say we can get together again, I wonder if it isn't going to be that masks are going to be more a part of some people's day, day to day, because they just feel like they want to be more safe. And then are are you going to feel a little weird being that close to people eating dinner again over a buffet or over a, you know, it depends on the catering, I suppose, if it's right. box lunches or if it's an open buffet, are breath guards and safety shields and all that going to be even more important because there's a heightened sense that's been really pushed into us very, very short time, but we're all in it, right? We all kind of looking around and noticing what we touch and what other people touch and hand washing and all that kind of stuff. So we'll <laughs> see. We'll see yeah. how fast the... Uh, public reengages to that kind yeah. of level. All right. What do you think? It's time that we get uh, to our guest today, right? I think we'll bring Mike in, Mike uh, O'Hanlon, to remind everyone again. And Mike is the head of catering at Easy Cater. 
Mike, welcome to the Volrath feed. Hey, Rich. Great to meet you. Great, great to be on. Well, thanks again. Yeah, we appreciate it. You're taking some time with here with us here today. And we always say this, you know, with our guests, even if like the people listening aren't necessarily thinking about catering or have any aspect the connection to catering, there's always good things to learn from these shows. And I'm I'm sure we're gonna have some great things today to talk about. And uh, you know, one of the things we always like to talk with our guests is their food service story. We've kind of talked about your uh, coming out of high school, the degrees you've gotten and your experience in life and how you ended up in food service. So I'm sure this is, there's going to be more to it than that. But if you could just give us a little summary of, of how did you get in food service from, uh, how did you find your way into food service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh my, my career is, uh, eclectic and varied as, <laughs> as you probably noticed by looking at, looking yes. at my resume or my LinkedIn. And and there's not a straight path, but but really the relevant uh, experience I had was at Wayfair, uh, the the online home furnishings uh, company. Uh, I was there for 12 years, and my primary role there was managing our interactions with the supply side of that business. So think furniture manufacturers and other suppliers of housewares, and um, I was looking to make a change and easy cater. Uh, reached out to me because it's similar to Wayfair, growing rapidly, really a marketplace, customers on one side, suppliers on the other. And in this context, the suppliers were restaurateurs and other caterers. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were looking for someone to uh, manage that side of the marketplace. And and so I leveraged a lot of the learnings I had with uh, managing a network of uh, suppliers of furniture, and I, I took a lot of that experience and those learnings, and 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 now I'm working with restaurant tours and, and 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 catering partners, as as we call them, which also includes uh, caterers, and uh, and and what's really fun is the range, right? Like individual pizza shop owner, all the way up through firehouse subs or or Olive Garden or or, or other large catering partners. Uh, and brands that 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 you know and and love that are that are nationwide. So um, I made that transition about two and a half years ago, and um, I've learned a lot about the food business uh, in those two and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I, I was a, I was a fan of the business and a and a, and a large consumer, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which which would be more more obvious if you had the video on. But uh, uh, yeah, so so it's it's been a great journey, and you know what. I, one of the big things those two industries uh, have in common, it's a couple of things, but w one is uh, uh, the emotional content of that purchase. I know that's kind of a fancy way of addressing uh, the degree to which passion enters into, into the purchasing decision, right? People feel strongly about their homes and feel people feel very strongly about their food and and the experience that's wrapped around those two things, and then in the context of of managing um, a network of suppliers, the thing we have in common in both these worlds is uh, an obsession for the customer experience. The biggest thing we have in common with our catering partners is uh, when that food is delivered. In our world, it's always in a business context. Easy Cater is a a marketplace focused on food for the workplace. Um, but we are maniacally focused on that experience going very well, and our and our restaurant partners, our catering partners, are equally uh, maniacally focused on that. So, 
a bit long-winded, but that's 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 the journey, and that's where I find myself today. Well, I bet that customer service component is really the linchpin of the success of the business. You know, without without that, you know, everything just kind of falls apart. It, it, it is, Justin. If you think about why we exist, like why is there an easy cater? We we're we're aggregating supply. I uh, we're aggregating eighty thousand restaurants into one place where you can find them. And, and we have catering menus for each of them, uh, which is, you know, different than the normal menu, as, as you guys know. And, uh, and, and then on, our customers are coming to us because this isn't a normal buying experience. I am going on a sales call. And in the context of why do you buy food, buying food for a sales call where you want an outcome to go well that your livelihood depends on that's on the higher end of importance in the context of buying food, right? Or, mm-hmm. or I'm, a, uh, I'm an executive assistant buying food for a board meeting, or I'm an office manager buying food for Thursdays where I provide lunch for my whole entire workforce, and I'm using it as a employee appreciation retention tool. Those are on the, all of those use cases are on the high end of it ought to go well. It has to go well, right? Mm-hmm. And and that is why we exist. So that's that's access to an amazing amount of restaurants. It's the customer service experience. It's the uh, the ability for the customer to log in and 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 with one interaction with us, maybe plan a whole week or a whole month's worth worth of these purchases. So it's a bit on the convenience and the the ease of use, right? So all that is wrapped up, but but you're you you got to the heart of it, right? It starts and ends with customer service and it going well, right? Mm-hmm. And and on the ca- off chance, uh, through through, through uh, no matter whose fault it is, on the off chance it doesn't go well, by golly, making it go well, right? And and kind of reco- recovering that order and 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 making it right. So that's where that's how we add value. That's why we exist. Mike, just for everyone, real quick, I think we um, just if we could describe a little the, the process that someone does when they when they think about their event and and what, where do they go and how do they, your company Easy Caterer isn't a caterer? You just link the caterers to, as you said earlier to the to the customers. Can you just describe that whole process a little bit more for everyone? You bet. You bet. So I'll, I'll pick that office manager. They're going to buy uh, lunch for their team uh, this coming Thursday, right? And they want tacos and they log into or they go to easycater.com. If we know them, uh, we, we can kind of get them into a logged in experience. Uh, and if we don't, that's fine also. And they might uh, type in their address. They might already know they want tacos or they might want to just see what's out there. Um, again, we have 80,000 restaurants. So in a typical search experience, they might find 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 restaurants that deliver to their zip code. And then they start filtering and navigating from there and, and, and they're keying in on, uh, maybe, uh, maybe price point or is important to them or maybe, uh, type of food. Like they just had Mexican. So actually they're going to pivot towards Italian for this, for this meal, uh, et cetera. And then uh, what we're quite good at is is presenting uh, what can be kind of a complex purchasing decision in a simple way. How many people are in your party? Um, here's a recommended uh, 
uh, menu items, what variations do you want from there, and then getting you through that ordering experience and wrapping it with a, a fair amount of trust and confidence that, yeah, this is going to go well. These guys know what they're doing. Um, and then on the back end, um, well, it, it, early on that in that journey, uh, we're presenting the restaurant. Uh, they are picking a restaurant in in that in that journey. So it's not tacos generally. It's tacos from a specific uh, local restaurant that they may or may not know. And in the case of a traveling salesperson buying food in a town they're not super familiar with, often they don't know it. So they're looking at reviews and ratings on our website and engaging, mm -hmm. engage using us more of a, a discovery tool in that in that respect. Um, and then uh, customer checks out, and uh, uh, often often it's for several days out where the event is happening. What we have found in COVID is that time has shrunk. People are buying more last, making more last minute decisions about going on that sales call or even having the meeting in the first place, right? So um, the advanced notice concept of our of our marketplace has shrunk down a little bit, which is fine. Uh, and we're working with our restaurant partners to be able to handle that. And then on the back end, the restaurant receives that order and uh, accepts it and then gets busy uh, putting it into their work stream and scheduling the labor, the 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 you know the the production aspects of mm -hmm. actually delivering on that food experience and uh, and what happens naturally through the algorithm of our marketplace is popular restaurants and restaurants who are really good at catering start rising to the top and so when that customers it you know is faced with choosing amongst forty or eighty or one hundred and twenty restaurants in those search results um, really what they're seeing first and foremost is the ones that are best at it, right? People tend to vote with their dollars. And uh, so if they're popular and they're getting lots of reviews, we're creating a virtuous cycle for uh, really exposing quality caterers to, to customers who need a really high quality experience to happen. So do you have a, a minimum number that you set for, because what I'm thinking is that the difference that I want people to understand is between you and third party is you're, you're bringing in food for larger numbers. You're setting it up as I'm anticipating that people are actually bringing it in. It's not just dropping it off and saying goodbye. And it's for yeah. a larger group than a few people, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's excellent. Uh, all of that. So the way we think about it is um, our, our orders tend to be large, uh, historically an a rough average order value of $300. So it's, it's 15 to 20 people at some dollar amount per head. So right on, it's a large order from the restaurant's perspective, because it's large, it tends to be quite profitable. And these, um, customers that we're delivering, these orders are from customers that are very hard to otherwise get to. So if you think about, um, a local restaurant who, uh, doesn't have the wherewithal to have a catering sales force or a catering marketer to get into the into these businesses and market to them. Uh, we're a great solution for those folks. Um, uh, we're also a great solution for uh, really that out of town customer that is really really difficult to find on your own. Um, that that traveling salesperson use case. Uh, we're adding. Uh, a, a very common refrain from our restaurant partners is, wow, we, we're seeing orders from people we would never otherwise uh, see orders from. So that's that's uh, super exciting. 
So how does a restaurant or some other operator, small mom and pop shop, how do they get on board with you guys and, and become um, part, part of that list that people can select from? Yeah, on our website, there's ways for them to uh, uh, to find us uh, and engage and, and give us just a, a few tidbits of information and, and we'll get right back to them. That's easycater.com. So th- we get a lot of inbound flow from restaurants who are interested. And again, yeah, this for a restaurant that's good at catering, this ought to be 10% of their business. So we're we are a very nice incremental addition to what they're already doing. And particularly in the context of COVID with seating restrictions, et cetera, one of the challenges of catering is actually having space to prepare the food. And if you think about seating capacity constraints, catering where you're busiest, catering tends to happen at lunchtime. Uh, there's space in your restaurant from 10 to 11 to do the production, the factory work that needs to go into assembling a large catering order. Um, with little incremental labor dollars and zero incremental overhead, uh, plus or minus some packaging costs, people can can have access to a nice incremental stream. That's not, it tends, it's not cannibalizing sort of what they're already doing. Hmm. That, yeah, that really makes sense for a lot of people who have been limited by capacity. It's like, you already have the real estate to do this. So is there a vetting process that you guys do to make sure that um, these restaurants can and actually do fulfill to the level of expectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it, it, we rely on two things: the initial vetting, and then, and then, sort of that algorithm that that happens naturally over time. So, whenever you have a large network, you kind of need both, right? So, to get over the hump, we have to make sure you have the ability to deliver, uh, deliver professionally uh, in, in a high quality way. A and uh, what's been nice is over the last few years, we've developed our own delivery network. We call it Easy Delivery or Easy Dispatch, rather. And uh, so if you have your own delivery, uh, what is your radius? Can you provide uh, uh, high-quality professional delivery? Uh, restaurants who do do that tend to do it very well, and we don't discourage that at all. We we encourage and embrace it. But if they don't do it, we, we've we've assembled our own network of, of workers that we hold to a high standard. And to Rich's earlier comment, um, we kind of view it as shipping and handling. Uh, we're not just dropping it off in the lobby. We're, we're, <laughs> we're walking it in and making sure it's set up and, 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 and make sure it, it looks nice. And those are our contracts on the easy dispatch side. Our contracts say that our courier providers will do that on our behalf. And we vet them and have a way of, uh, you know, rewarding top performers again. So we try to, we try to do it via a combination of initial bars. You got to clear the bar, but then let, let, let some mathematics happen through actual performance, so that you know, with with appropriate carrots, people want to do better, so they get more orders, and 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 we create a nice system that way. Mm. Yeah, I I used to produce a lot of. Um, live sports pro, uh, broadcasts. And uh, I re- this was a number of years ago. And I remember talking with uh, one of the people who was in charge of getting the food there, you know, for for some of the athletes and then the coaches. And they would always just complain how much of a pain in the butt it was to, because they would go to each individual place and set it up, you know, and, and they said it was just a very tedious, uh, it was just very tedious to do. And 
it, it makes me think like, wow, this it's just got to simplify so many people's lives who are, that's what they do is they set up these, these food events. And what was the genesis of this? How, how was this company born? Yeah. What really launched it um, into yeah, where we, it is now? It was, it was 13 years ago. Our two, uh, our two founders, uh, Stefania Mellet and Briscoe Rogers, uh, we're trying to solve the pharmaceutical medical sales rep problem of of really not uh, actually they had a company before this that was going after a different problem set for those for those same constituents. And one of the sales reps said, you know what, we don't need that. But you know what you could help us with is ordering food for our sales meetings. Like <laughs> I, I spend several hours a week ordering food and I'm a highly compensated a medical device sales rep, that's not a great use of my time. And, and of course, uh, being great entrepreneurs, they then asked a hundred questions <laughs> and, and, and asked 99 other sales reps, those, uh, those a hundred questions. And that was really the genesis of easy cater and, and wow. solving that problem. And then, and then moving more into, uh, traditional food at work use cases, uh, you know, when you're not traveling, um, came as a natural extension. And they actually started on the supply side. We're going to add as many folks who cater well onto our network. And then, you know, a bit of build it and you and and they will come. Uh, and, and indeed, the customers did come because once you have that critical mass, then, you know, you almost become the Google of looking for food at work. Like, right. Let's just easy cater it. Right. You go to easy cater, you find the restaurant and you and you and, and you and you uh and you transact and you and you t and you take care of your your meeting or your week's worth of meetings so that was the path and uh um more recently an exciting thing for from our perspective and our customers is we we rolled out a product we call relish which is um a curated assortment of food from one to three restaurants you get an email oh. you get an email uh in the morning you actually get an email uh, the weekend before, but also another email that morning. Hey, order by ten thirty, and we'll have an individually packaged meal uh, at your at in a kiosk in your lobby by noon, right? And so, um, what's been really interesting? We we launched it last summer, and you know it's sort of a silver lining, a pandemic silver lining because this very safe way to get food individually packaged with someone's name on it into an office uh frees them up it 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 prevents them from having to get into a crowded elevator go downstairs go out into a dozen different restaurants to each get their own meals come back in you can see sort of the the covid unfriendliness of that alternative here is a way for them to uh stay you know once they're inside their their building stay in stay in uh eat an individually packaged meal all very safely. And, and what we're finding is companies are so jazzed about it that they're actually subsidizing uh, the cost of that, e either the cost of the delivery or the cost of the delivery and the meal. So that's, that's been uh, a real, real powerful solution to sort of how do I make returning to work safe and productive for my people? Yeah, you mentioned there the the whole pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. Is that is that where you see it kind of continuing to grow? Is that the individual smaller prepackaged stuff, or do you still see the the larger group gathering kind of thing? Yeah, you know, yeah. I it it's a real personal uh, 
this is sort of Mike O'Hanlon's theory of the world speaking, because <laughs> because I feel like if you asked a dozen of us, we'd have slightly or or maybe widely different uh, opinions on this. But I think the return to work is in many ways we're going to revert back to many of our old habits. We we enjoy being near each other. Um, we enjoy using full food as a tool to uh, exchange ideas over, to catch mm -hmm. up with each other, to be to be human beings with each other. So I think right. there's a world where maybe on average people are in the office a bit less, but actually we're using food more to either get get them into the office for those fewer days. But also to do that reconnecting, like mm -hmm. I think, I think in major in a big swath of industries, we've lost a year of culture, mm -hmm. uh, corporate culture, corporate cor corporate culture building, corporate culture uh, reinforcing and uh, bonding, and, and all that, all those softer but really important things that happen when we go to work together. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some catching up to do, and I think, and I, and what we are seeing is. Um, companies are interested in using food as a big part of that solution. So you might have fewer man, wom woman work days in the office, but food is a bigger part of that equation. It's literally hanging a carrot in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> literally a carrot, right. Literally. Right. No sticks required. I mean, this is anecdotal, but we talk to a lot of, we talk to a lot of our enterprise customers and, you know, they might have a, right now a hybrid work work model where it's kind of like come in any day anytime you want as much as you want and this is not rocket science but the days where they offer their free lunch they see massive spikes in you yeah know, you know you know mentally okay i'm going to start going in a few days a week but i know there's free lunch on wednesday wednesday is going to be one of those few days like we're <laughs> seeing we're seeing that uh it, perhaps we didn't need to do a scientific test to to give us that result but nevertheless we're seeing it <laughs> so as part of what you do as a head of catering partner businesses do you manage the suppliers in this case the restaurants and outlets and and rate them and and how do you know like coming out of the pandemic again so many restaurants didn't make it or they're struggling especially with labor I know incrementally there's a lot of things that didn't need to be increased, but definitely with catering, you are increasing labor. And that seems to be such a tough thing right now for so many restaurants to have enough of. Are you seeing some of your suppliers having trouble there? Or some of them have gone away, I imagine. Or how do you how do you manage that your supplier base? First, I'll start with the pandemic hit us and and and, and did impact our business. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's obvious when you're supplying food to the, the workplace and there's fewer people in the workplace. We saw a decrease in orders starting in March. And now we are, we're, we're, we're excited to say that we're, we're, uh, you know, most of the way back, which is really, really an exciting statement, uh, given where we are. Um, and so when you see that dip somewhere in that dip, some of our restaurants, uh, went out of business or some of them temporarily went out of business and uh uh there is uh <laughs> uh a desire to make sure that we are setting up the ones that are uh you know kind of on the edge how can we help them um incrementally attract business using our marketplace so 
the first thing we did um, in March is start talking to our partners. Hey, there's fewer orders to go around, but we can help you cast a wider net to, to you know, mm-hmm. let us help you uh, catch what is out there, right? Um, a lot of what we do is very white collary, very office building, and that dropped off a cliff, as you guys might imagine. Mm-hmm. But but that shines a light on industries that didn't drop off a cliff and were still ordering food. It was construction, healthcare, manufacturing, retail, distribution. If you think about Amazon taking off um, uh, and other e-commerce uh companies doing really well during the pandemic. Every time you read a report saying they're doing well, uh, that's a lot of people working overtime in a warehouse somewhere. And those people, <laughs> those people are getting rewarded with food or they're just being fed period um, more and more. So, so making sure our restaurant partners know that even in the darkest of time, there are some, some pockets of light. Um, that was a big part of our push. Um, the second one, it was, you know, a, a wonky way of saying is sort of optimizing your settings on our on our marketplace. So that means, hey, you used to need 24 hours of notice uh, from us, uh, but a lot of the orders are shifting to being more last minute. Can you actually get away with only requiring four hours of notice, right? And so in a world where there's fewer orders to go around, but you are flexible operationally to say yes to something like that, that can help you, that can help you uh, uh, capture a few more, few more orders a week, week from us. Um, and then uh, individually packaged items was a big one for us. We saw right as soon as the pandemic hit, that tray catering experience where you, you go into a room and it's, it's, it's just a platter of sandwiches and they're not wrapped and they certainly don't have anyone's name on them. That um, became less popular, as you guys might imagine. Mm-hmm. And 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 a push for individually packaged items um, is uh, can be super straightforward for some restaurateurs and others. Like, oh, that requires them to rethink. Like, how do I deliver a pizza uh, in an individually packaged way? Like, it, there's varying degrees of complexity around packaging that's required to meet that. So, working with our restaurateurs around um, what what's low hanging fruit when it comes to individually packaged items, and what's additional things that you can do. And the last one is uh, delivery radius. We really pushed on them to to uh, to uh, to expand the net, so to speak. If they if if they're if they're touring between five mile radius and ten mile, let's increase your radius just to capture that that incremental order mm-hmm. flow. Uh, but on the labor front, you know, I think it's stressing. Um, it stresses the restaurant in many ways. Uh, one is uh, the ability to to attract, retain quality drivers is a real challenge for our restaurants, and that's that affects the other third party guys too. Uh, that our answer to that. In, in many respects was the development of easy dispatch and, 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 and making sure our folks, making sure our partners know that we do have a delivery uh, service that you can always use, or you can use on demand. So, Hey, I'd love, love to accept that catering order for next Thursday, but I don't have any drivers. Uh, our response to that is don't reject it. Just, pr- you know, press the button and we'll deliver it for you. Right. And so, um, but short of that, I mean, we're concerned with 
what the net what our restaurant partners will look like coming out of this uh you know there will be there will be some losses in the network and 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 some that we're aware of and and honestly you know some will kind of make themselves aware as orders flows increase and 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 we we start to realize actually some of our some of our uh smaller independent restaurant owners aren't able to fulfill orders anymore back in the day yeah, we're going to take a step back here. Um, <laughs> your your average mom and pop restaurant, they you either worked in food service or you didn't work in food service. And and now with with uh, technology being at the forefront of everything that we do, you're seeing a lot of people cross over like yourself from a, a profession and industry that that wasn't food service related. So can you share with us, like, what, what are some things that are unique about moving into the food service industry? And what advice would you have to somebody who is maybe looking at making a transition similar to you? One thing I, I think is pretty unique is um, we've tried to create a community with our partners around catering. And, and um, so we have a network of 80,000 restaurants. I've used that number a lot, but it's, 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 uh, we try to think of them as an extension extended family. And we try to create a space where they can interact with each other, whether that's on social media or at conferences that we host. And we really love the power of them giving each other advice. And what I'm getting to is I think, the restaurant industry is so darn uh, collaborative and mm-hmm. and helpful with each other. Like they are so sharing and other mm-hmm. industries are not like that. They're not like there's a lot of zero net sum game in, 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 in other industries that do not, it just does not seem to exist. And it's, it's, it's chains helping other chains. It's chains helping independents it's within the same food type or outside of each other's food types. And, uh, we see so much sharing and we try to, we try to facilitate it, but, um, that's been wonderful, uh, a thing to experience. And so anyone contemplating making that switch that is waiting for you. Um, uh, I feel like I've been very welcomed, uh, as an outsider. And I think as soon as, you know, part of my job is to pick up, well, what's the same, and, 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 and that's kind of what I opened with, which was, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. this like love of customer. And sometimes we're trying to solve, pro- we're, we're often trying to solve problems with our restaurant mm-hmm. partners. Like life isn't all just, you know, uh, unicorns and, and rainbows. Right. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, some of these are like complicated and, and, and what's, what helps, what helps clarify, uh, the resolution is like, putting the customer in the middle, right. Or at the top, if you will. And then all of a sudden we're, 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 jointly problem solving and trying to figure out like what's, what's best for that customer. Cause mm. that's what it always returns to. So we had a little fun in the, in the first part of the show. And I know you're saying when we asked how you got into food service, talked about your Wayfair and that customer experience and all that, but we, we did have a little fun, uh, <laughs> nuclear engineer, <laughs> And an officer in the U.S. Navy. Now, yeah, yeah. We, if we heard that story once, we've heard it once. So, <laughs> yeah, you've, yeah, really. Yeah. You've had a very interesting uh, career. So, you know what? What? Um, 
you don't and you don't look like you're a retirement age from the Navy. So just a change <laughs> of, of life and one something different, or was there a, yeah. any food service experience yeah. in your life that you had what took before you, this? Well, what took you from subs to subs? Yeah, yeah. really, <laughs> subs to subs. Thank you, Justin. I've not. Uh, I, I need to use that more. Really, I'm the first one to do <laughs> subs that. to subs. That's fantastic. Um, well, I t- well, first of all, my, I, I like every per- almost every person in America. I've been a waiter. I've been a dishwasher. I've worked. Okay. At, I've worked at Red Lobster. I was also a catering waiter at a at a local country club. Oh, well, right. you're no stranger then. Yeah, and, I, the, I, and that was high school, college, and I love that. I love the 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 energy. And the customer facingness of it, like it, it, the high velocity, um, go, go, go. E- even as a dishwasher, I used to pride myself in the manual dexterity and the speed at which I could process all, uh, all, He's all those service. I can tell. Yeah. He's food yeah. service. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, and that that's in your blood and that speed, yes. that speed and electricity and, uh, a, a little bit of, uh, just kind of, cr- uh, crazy, crazy energy, uh, to it. Um, and then the Navy, uh, I picked the submarine force, not because they have the best food in the Navy, but I was going to say that they, it, they, they're historically the best food, <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't hurt any. And, and, uh, you know, we are on watch a lot and you, you're on this, uh, 24 hour clock in the Navy and, and you're always waking up at weird times and going on watch at midnight or at 6am. And so you're, you're actually, you can, and if you're not careful, you do eat four meals a day because they, they're serving meals every six hours uh, for the <laughs> ongoing and offgoing watch. Uh, so I learned terms like mid rats, uh, which is midnight rat rations. That was that midnight extra meal. And <laughs> and, meal. and our affection term for, uh, uh, you know, after you went to sea, you start quickly running out of fresh food. And one of the first things you you run out of is real milk. There's only so much real milk you can uh, carry in the holds. And so after a few days, uh, you start drinking fake milk, and it's called plastic cow. So the, <laughs> a lot of great terms uh, in the intersection of foods, food service and Navy um, that I learned <laughs> during that time period. But, yeah, no, I, 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 I love the restaurant business. It is so we've now that story we've heard over and over and over. Once people get into this business at some level in, if you like it, you find your way back to it somewhere, somehow it just seems to play out so often that this industry is, is unique in a lot of ways. And I think if I've heard you say customer service, uh, 10 times in this episode, probably you, you've got it. You understand it. You, that's what drives you. You enjoy it, right? That yeah. part of the business. For sure. And I enjoy working with the people who enjoy it. So my yeah. teammates are those people also, and many of them have more restaurant experience than I do. And, and, uh, you know, I, they were a line cook for five years and, and, and wanted to work more in a corporate setting. And now, now they're in our partner solutions team. That's a great employee of ours who's doing an amazing work. And that, that combination, that background, it, it just makes for a super, super high value teammate and a really fun Fun to work with, teammate. Well, Mike, I wanted to get to one other point on uh, everything we talked about. With you know, if I'm a if I'm an operator, a restaurant operator, and I'm handing my product off to a, a another business to take to the customer, um, I'm a little worried sometimes about how things get there. Are they going to be hot? Uh, the security of the food, the safety, the timing, and all that kind of stuff. So, do you have things in place that? 
you reassured the operators about the quality of the food when it gets there? Is there anything that you do there to make sure that that food arrives as that operator prepared it and they want it to be served? Anything like that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. A couple of things on that front. We, um, we've we rolled out what we call a delivery management system. So whether it's our easy dispatch driver or their uh, the restaurant's own delivery drivers, we know where they are and and when they are there uh, at all points, right? And so we call that delivery tracking. And um, that helps us sort of assess uh, the the timeliness of of that of that, which can lead to the quality, right? Like if you're taking too long to get somewhere with hot food, mm-hmm. things can go. Uh, poorly. The other thing is we have a really robust review system. So we're getting feedback from our customers all the time and then feeding that back to our restaurant partners. So if we had a consistent problem or even just one problem with missing items, for example, like, hey, consistently you're not remembering uh, to, to uh, plasticware with, with, or with, with, with the order, um, that would be uh, quickly get feedback. And, and we have uh, a really strong customer service force. I've mentioned that a lot, uh, but <laughs> we have we, we we have technology and processes, and we have great people, right? So every problem we 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 try to address with all three, and and our great people are there to get the inbound call and to make that problem right. And so sometimes human beings have to get involved. And ours are really, really insanely helpful. That's a cultural recipe of ours: be insanely helpful. And uh, and that's the that's also the way the restaurant would get feedback is is one of our customer service folks would be calling them and say, "Hey, can you make this right? This is a little bit off, you know, et cetera." And 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 so the learning would happen on the spot in that case. Hmm. Okay. So, well, moving forward now, Rich and I have a little uh, side bet here. Are we due for a big catering boom in the upcoming months or are this think people are still going to be too tentative and then we're just going to kind of maybe see the con- gradual return? Justin, I think there's so much pent up demand for normalcy <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and just, you know, fill in the blank. What does that mean? Like, man, I want to go to a concert, man, do I want to go to a sports event, man, do I want to have a bunch of people in my backyard eating great food? Right. Right. And and I haven't done those things in in a year plus now. And I don't think I'm an unusual uh, example of what I what I think's out there in general. So what does that mean? I think there's a social catering boom about to happen. I would say, you know, depending on where you live in the country soon to (laughs) midsummer. <laughs> I, I've got big pockets of friends I just haven't seen in a long time, right? And so mm-hmm. getting back together with them is going to include food. And mm-hmm. and so that's the social side of that. And then that new normal on the business side, um, we're hearing from some companies in some locations, the June 1st date, uh, a large employer here uh, in Boston is coming back totally on August 1st. Um, I'm sort of like a notional like Labor Day always means getting serious again with whatever your endeavor is. And so like (laughs) I'm a believer in like a big Labor Day boom will happen again. This is a little geographically dependent. uh, And and we do see wide variations, by the way, in in buying purchases, buying patterns throughout Mm -hmm. the country, as you might imagine. But 
Yes. The answer is yes, 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 Justin, to that simple question. All uh, right. There we have it. Very good. I mean, it's just it's good to hear things like that, you know, that we're on the mend coming out of this, you know, starting to adapt to the new normal. And and Rich and I were talking a little bit about that. And I'm like, it's going to feel weird until it doesn't, you know, when when you're at a thing and you're like, there's food and there's people and you're just, you know, a little apprehensive about like, uh, is this okay? You know, I can continually feel like I'm doing something wrong. You know, I'm going to get in trouble if I, you yeah. Know, yeah. Get too close, you know. It's just, but it's it's these things that we have to start doing to get back to that, you know. Yeah, to... and it's hard to predict what little things will be different. I bet you right. there'll be. Uh, I bet you there will be little things. I uh-huh. I don't I don't know what that means exactly, but like I have four children. We have a lot of uh, graduation ceremonies we celebrated and things here in the house, and we always have the food on one table. Maybe in the future. The food's in like four tables, but we exact invite the same different same people, and it's just a little more spread out. I, 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 it's hard to predict the little things, but I think they are going to be little. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think one thing that'll be constant and probably, who knows for forever, is uh, the ability to wash your hands or clean your hands or disinfect your hands at any given point. Right. Whenever. So right. Mm-hmm. that's a little. That's a little, but very right. important. Thing. It's yeah. a little, but the big thing, and I think it's one of those things that gives people a certain sense of comfort to see, to just have it visible. Like, you know, yeah. this is, you know, I can. This is the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, do either of you Good see one. masks as something that people might continue to wear if they're not feeling well as a courtesy to others, or if they know they're going out that they don't want to get sick, they're going to wear a mask. You see it all the time in China and other areas that people wear masks all the time. And here in the beginning of the pandemic, I know there was a real push. It felt weird. It felt funny, but now, I mean, I'll walk out of a business sometimes and I'll wear my mask to my car, completely forgetting I have it on. So it's not it's not at all yeah. weird anymore. So do you think that'll be something people continue to do? I don't know. Interesting, uh, right? I don't I, know. Me, me personally, I think I think people are so ready to ditch them. Uh, <laughs> but 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 hear me out on the same note, I think many, many people have gained a new value for them. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, if there's a busy flu season that comes up next time or God yeah. forbid another COVID, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I think people will be less resistant be like, Hey, you know, it, it, there's a lot of flu going around. It's, yeah. uh, this is, seems, this makes sense. You won't so, yeah. be looked at as, is completely strange. People are right. used to you, it. You right? see somebody with a mask on that wasn't a doctor or a dentist, yeah. you know, you're, you're like, what's wrong with them? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that might be one of those little things. So yeah, they'll we'll go see. into a drawer, not a not a tra- not a waste bin, right? <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Well, uh, Mike, thank you for the show today. It's just been fantastic hearing uh, everything that you're doing and getting a little insight in your business. And and thank you for that. And um, I, always, as we let our guests go, we ask them for a quote, something that maybe they've heard from someone or they read that inspires them, something that guides them that just stuck with you. Do you have anything like that you could share with our listeners today? You bet. It, this, this is a popular one, but you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm-hmm. It's Gandhi. And it's, for me, it's about walking the walk and and not just talking the talk. And uh, 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 we talked a lot about uh, the importance of the customer and the importance mm-hmm. of partners. There's a, there's an element of empathy and I'll use a word that's not used in business a lot, but kindness <laughs> and yeah. that that kind of tr- uh permeates through all of that right and i think yeah. that that is sort of 
what Gandhi was getting at with that quote. And so uh, you warned me you were going to ask me for a quote, <laughs> and I was giving that some thought, and and that one came to mind. Well, oh. perfect. No, that's you're right. That's a, it's a good one. And um, uh, Gandhi, what more do you need to say? It's just a great way to live your life, right? Yeah, right on. Super. Well, again, thank you for taking the time with us today. It's been a lot of fun, and um, I know it, it's it's fun to hear. I know we've had a lot of fun with this part of the the show, but the the connection always the path for people into food service, and it's so we hear it so many times that there was a time where in your life you were in it somehow, and and the people that really enjoyed that time of their life and and now are in food service, they just have this this um, excitement and uh, appreciation for the industry, and it's, it was great to see and hear that from you today. So thank you for everything again. Uh, Wish you the best of luck, and thanks again for being on the Volrath feed. Thank you so much, guys. Very nice to meet you. Enjoyed it. There we have it, Justin. Another one, another great show, of course. Yeah, I I learned a lot on this one, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's one of those problems that I didn't even know needed solving. And yeah, when he's talking about like, yeah, there's people who spend hours out of the week setting these things up, and so it's a legitimate time saver. You know, I mean, and time is money. So they're saving companies money by the people who have to organize these lunches and these meals and getting to where they want to do without having to order the same thing over and over again. Right. All about meeting a need. There's, that's exactly what they did. And you know, it was comforting to hear, and I shouldn't say comforting. It was, it was no surprise to hear that, um, you know, when you're in this business, you have to be focused on the customer. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing that's hard to fake. If you're not a person who's customer focused, um, you can maybe do it for a while, but it it is it probably takes too much work to to maintain it if it's not genuine. And he's genuine. Oh yeah. He's I mean, customer. It's it's just gotta be part of who you are. Like mm-hmm. like you know, everyone says over and over again, it's in the blood, it's in your mm-hmm. DNA. Yep. And that's why it was just it came as no surprise that he spent his time as a, a server working in in food service, you know, back in school and everything. You know, and he's he he's got it. He understands it, and yep. and somehow, more often than not, the universe pulls these people back into the food service. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we joke about all the time, yeah. but it is so true, and it's just it's just a testament to the people that are in this industry. That's who we are. We're people. People. We just enjoy it. But you know, and then hearing Mike's story of you know, he was completely out of it and he got back into it and the experiences he brought with it from Wayfair, which is another big, uh, big company that he yeah. was involved with that. Um, and the experiences that I'm sure he brought over with managing his vendors and uh, the customer. So yeah. managing that experience. A lot to be said about somebody bringing an outside perspective on how to do things into something of, you know, you, it helps break that mentality of we, we've always done things this way. Well, nothing is perfect. There's always room for an improvement. And so when you can get a fresh set of eyeballs on something, Mm -hmm. it allows you to see things differently too, so that you can improve certain processes or how things are handled to to ultimately make it a better overall customer experience. Right. Well, he hit on the fact that food and our homes, those are two very emotional, personal purchasing decisions that we make you know we make Mm -hmm. decisions maybe very differently about those aspects of our lives than maybe some others so in a way coming from home furnishing home goods into food service was was a natural kind of uh move for him 
yeah it's very good point very good all right well justin any last thoughts from you then about today or absolutely i would like to remind everyone please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another moment with a chef or food service industry professional again and while you're there we would also appreciate it if you would take a moment to let us know of any topics you would like to hear us talk on and if you would please reach out to us volrathfoodservice.com slash the feed let us know what you like what you don't what you want to hear about and we'll do our best so as everyone knows my final quote please everyone if you just do everything as if a customer is watching you you'll know you'll be doing it right thanks for listening everyone have a great week ahead until next time take care <laughs>